back to the Act Two podcast, a podcast for the real life working screenwriter. I'm Tasha Hugh. And I'm Josh Hallman. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast. This is for you. It's not for us, obviously, because we have amazing topics coming up that yeah. we don't want you to miss. We like, don't care. <laughs> we don't for care. You. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to be interviewing showrunners, agents, managers, other writers, get them talking about various aspects of this crazy thing we call a screenwriting career. If you have questions or topic suggestions, <laughs> Josh's hair is on point today, by the way. <laughs> what is it doing? What's going on here? <laughs> If you have any of those, do reach out to us at act2writers at gmail.com. It's all spelled out or on our Instagram or Twitter at act2writers. I'm also on those things on Instagram at Story Thursday or Twitter at Tasha 3.0. And I'm on Instagram. It's Josh Hallman. Twitter, Joshua Hallman. This week in writing. This week in writing. Do, do we talk about what we're talking about today as a big do topic? We? I know you're you're leading the way here. I'm just a passenger on this ship. Well, just because I'm so excited, I'm just going to say it in case okay. someone missed the the title of the episode. We're talking about MacGuffins today, Tasha. <laughs> I want to be as excited about this as you, but I'm not sure I am because I don't know if I use them as much. Or maybe I do and I just don't realize it. I'm so excited for many reasons, but we will, we'll get into that in just a second. Let's get into this yeah. week in writing. So one of our listeners, <laughs> Paul Bay, whom we all love on the show, shout out to Paul. What up, Paul? He posted this incredible thing that he does with his reps at the beginning of a year where he sends them like six new log lines that he does a one pager for all of them. And he, his reps tell him, yeah, like these two are great, good to go. Some of these need to be workshopped, whatever. But like they just start setting up pitches almost immediately as we charge into the year. And I thought that was brilliant and so go get them when it comes to taking control of your career, which we are a huge fan of on this show. And I was just so impressed. I want to give a shout out there. And then also I told him, I warned him already that I was stealing his idea. And so I talked to my manager about this. <laughs> And she also loved this idea, Paul. Um, not that you need validation from my manager. <laughs> but like, we're, we're going to do that. We're like, we're setting up a plan to have, you know, six new ideas per per year, really. And the concern for me, because I work so slowly, is are those ideas going to be fully fleshed out um, as log lines? Like, how do we pick the best ideas that can be truly, truly pitched in a really solid way? That's just me personally. But something she brought up in this whole thing was just a really interesting topic of conversation is like another goal to add to the list is what are the, say, five producers that you want to get to know and really want to work with that would then be good for these pitches that you want to take out? Or let's just not be random about it. Let's find relationships that we can really build because if you create a great relationship, I mean, that's 85% of this yeah. business, I feel like. Really the writing is 25%, but the way you continue to get work is the relationships you're building. And of course, we want to work at places we will succeed at and places that, that we can really write for. So that was one of her goals that she kind of attached to this pitch idea thing. And then she, she also sort of made a sweeping goal mm. for, for your writing career where She's like, you have your network of people that you work with now. And as on your own, you're slowly growing that. But she said, you know, the benefit of a spec 
like actually writing a spec versus say pitching one, is that if you write a new spec and that goes to market and it's uniquely you, right? You're not trying to answer what's the newest trend or what you're, you're speaking to the most Jashian thing you can and you're writing that. And that goes out into the world. Like that's going to, if it's good, it's going to break through what your kind of smallish network is. And you'll become like this household name. And she brought up a few writers who have done this, who have succeeded in like selling a script that was so popular that everyone was reading it. Like JJ Abrams was reading it. We're, at, we're talking about this level. And yeah. she was like, that's your goal, Tasha. I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> keeping it real. I got it. <laughs> but it was just an interesting way of thinking about, I guess, like thinking about the levels of your career where like pitching something, getting that job, that's one level that that's going to keep you writing. That's a huge accomplishment, but kind of the next level is like choosing you, you yourself choosing the producers you want to work with. And the yeah. next level on top of that is becoming that household name based on you being you. Does that make sense? I make rambled a bunch, but I just thought that was a very interesting conversation. No, it makes all the sense in the world. I think that's, a great conversation to have. I almost feel like that should be like a podcast topic. Like that's how great everything. Done. Add it to the list. <laughs> and I loved, I loved Paul's thread too. I, actually, when I read it, I thought, oh, we should have him on the podcast to talk about this and just kind of go back to the origins of this and how this happened and whose idea it was and how he, you know, and then I saw you mm -hmm. got a couple answers out of them. So you just ruined the podcast, but. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Paul, maybe next time. <laughs> but I am curious because I feel like Paul's approach is kind of the dream, not the dream, but a dream for screenwriters. Because you think that when you're working with an agent or a manager, you go to your reps and you're like, here are my ideas. And they're like, okay, great. Let's, let's do it. And it's like, they're optimistic about your thoughts, your ideas. It sounds like that's what's going on with Paul. Mm -hmm. They're just mm -hmm. like, he's coming from a really confident place. Yeah. I mean, that's the biggest struggle you hear from most writers is that they'll do this. They'll send their ideas and their reps will shoot down all of them mm -hmm. rather than maybe having confidence in their writer that they can pull this off or willing to do the work with them to workshop the pitch or the idea until it really gets to that place. So um, fantastic idea. Do it as much as you can with your reps, I think, and bring it up. Like I just brought it up. I was like, hey, manager. So this writer on Twitter who's awesome said this. What do you think about it? Yeah. <laughs> and we, we got to have the conversation. So Paul, thank you for opening up some new ideas for everybody. Thank you, Paul. I feel like I should pass my This Week in Writing and just jump right into the big topic. You do you. Great. I'm, I'm doing me. <laughs> we're, we're jumping into it. Okay, let's go. McGuffins. McGuffins, Tasha. You know why I'm so excited to have this conversation, right? Tell everyone. I mean, here's my understanding. You love McGuffins and you're really good at them. And I feel like I get excited because you're excited. You should see the notes document I got today, guys, about McGuffins. It's fabulous. I've, I've made... How many notes documents in the entirety <laughs> of the podcast? Tasha usually- Minus one. <laughs> Tasha, <laughs> Tasha carries the load. She's like, here's what's going on. Actually, for the record, I have made notes documents. Then I've seen yours and I'm like, forget it. <laughs> but you I knew. definitely come with notes. We know that. <laughs> but I knew. All right. So I love MacGuffins. I just love them. There, I think it's because I love action films, thrillers, and MacGuffins are so common in these films. Mm -hmm. 
All right, let's let's take a step back. Let's talk about what a MacGuffin is. Are you ready? I am. A MacGuffin is a plot device used in films or books that sets the character in motion and drives the story. A MacGuffin is an object, an idea, a person, or a goal that characters are either in pursuit of, which serves as motivation for their actions. Usually, the MacGuffin is revealed in the first act. And in simpler terms, it's an object or a device or an event that is necessary to the plot and the motivation of the characters, but it's insignificant, unimportant, or irrelevant. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly it, right? It's the most irrelevant part of your movie, but also the most important part because it gets everything moving. Yes, the origins of the MacGuffin. I just have to yeah, go through I, this. I love, I, no, I, I love this because I'm an English major. And so like my little etymologist in me gets really excited about this. Okay, because yeah, we have to shout out a little, you know, we have to give credit where credit is due. I think so. The origins, Tasha. The mm. term MacGuffin was first used by the English screenwriter Angus MacPhail. I wonder why it wasn't called a MacPhail. All right, here I have my theory about this. Yeah. Is it too is it too soon? Okay, so it was created by Angus MacPhail, who wrote a bunch of movies between the 1920s and 1950s, including Spellbound for Alfred Hitchcock. I knew you. No, did. I just, I'm in culture. I'm excited about it. I knew you did some <laughs> notes. Oh my God. I knew it. Okay. So Hitchcock popularizes this term. He talks about it a bunch in interviews, but apparently this McPhail guy is the guy who coined the term. And guff, of course, means like trivial or something worthless. So MacPhail, MacGuffin. Boom! I think that's where it comes from because there's no actual. I couldn't find any evidence of like where the the actual word comes from, but I think "guffin" was like a slang term for you know guff, yeah. worthless things. I think you're right. That's it. And, and as you said, then it was kind of popularized by Alfred Hitchcock. Moving on. Mm -hmm. All right. So Tasha, where do we mostly see MacGuffins? I would say like spy movies, action movies, and now superhero movies. Yeah. And they can be people. That's interesting to me. Yeah. They can be things. We're going to go over a couple of these. Obviously, we're going to okay. talk about what they are. And like we kind of said, it always appears in the first act. Like that's when it's introduced. It's kind of mentioned throughout the movie. And then it usually comes back in the climax of, of any film. Mm -hmm. All right. So I just want to ask you some questions here. Oh, okay. Yeah. What are your general thoughts about MacGuffins? How do you feel about them? I feel like my first instinct is that they're a cheat. But then... <laughs> My second impulse is it's so necessary and fun. And also when it's done well, you don't even really notice that there's a MacGuffin going on. Why do you think it's a cheat? I think it's just because I hate tropes. <laughs> <laughs> I hate anything that's so tropey that it has a name already attached to it. Yeah. But I love movies with MacGuffins in them. So... It's, I think it's a mental thing, not a Here's real the thing. thing. You, you don't have to say that because I love MacGuffins. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't keep a straight face saying that. And I'm actually telling the truth. <laughs> uh, can I tell you why I love MacGuffins? I'm going to try to sway please, you by the end of this. All right. Please. So I think they kind of set the stakes of a film. And for mm -hmm. me, they almost, it's like a fence. It like sets the boundaries of what a movie is. It, or not what not what a movie is, but it's like, okay, immediately, here are the stakes. This is how the characters react to the MacGuffin. Mm -hmm. This is what they're after. There's this constant ticking clock that's going on. 
with a MacGuffin. And I, you know, I love yeah. ticking clocks. I just, yeah, just if there's a ticking clock in any movie, I'm watching it. Yeah. It's a super simple way to get your story in motion. Yeah. But it's not, it's not, that's not to say it's easy to create a MacGuffin, but it's a, it's a simple device to get your story moving. Do I hate it? Cause I'm bad at them. <laughs> no, I don't think you're bad at them. <laughs> I mean, if you look like, also, if you look at video games, like, I don't know if I want to go down this road right now, but like in shadow of the tomb Raider, for instance, there's a huge MacGuffin, which is like a dagger in a box that you have to get, yeah. but like, you don't get that for like five hours or eight hours of playing the game. Like it's, it's just a thing you got to get to, but there's all these things along the way, but it's vital to Wait, that action adventure story. What are the other five hours of tomb Raider before you have Man, to find all the side quest? You got to figure out where it is. And then you get attacked by things along the way. There's things, right. there's clues, there's puzzles, man. Okay. All right. So let's just go into some examples of MacGuffins here. Talk about <laughs> okay. them in films. And actually, I'm just going to jump into probably the greatest MacGuffin of all time. Okay. I'm just going to go right into it because you were talking about Tomb Raider and the box or whatever. And so it's a natural yeah. kind of pivot into Indiana Jones. Yes. The last yeah. The Lost, the, the Ark. Like, yeah, yeah. You know what's interesting though? The Last Crusade, I also agree, has a fantastic MacGuffin, the Holy Grail. Yeah. I mean, the Holy Grail like is like the most iconic MacGuffin of all time from King Arthur stories. George Lucas says it's like the most feeble quote unquote MacGuffin that he has in any of the indie movies. Really? And I think he's wrong. Well, here's the thing. This is why it's this is why I think it's a perfect MacGuffin is because they're obviously they're they're going after the Holy Grail, but it's a father and son story, mm -hmm. and it's because of the Holy Grail that the father and son get to go on their adventure and they get to come closer and they go through all their shit. And this is the perfect use of, Macguff of a MacGuffin in my world is because it's this yeah. thing that connects them the entire time, but also it's like, do they need it? Yeah. At the end, they don't even they don't even keep it. The whole point is to let it go. It's it's the most perfect MacGuffin. What is he talking about? Yeah, but he takes a leap of faith. How beautiful is that? It's beautiful. Um, speaking of George Lucas, another MacGuffin that we're about to go into, fucking Star Wars. There's like a bunch of MacGuffins in Star Wars in my mind. I bet. Yeah. Well, name name some. The map. If you remember in the beginning, she's like, "Here, take this R two D two. These are the like the Death Star information," and Arguably, R2-D2 could be a MacGuffin because they're after him to get the map. And then also yeah. in Rogue One, same thing. It's like the same exact MacGuffin. Everyone's after the planet yeah. Death Star. <laughs> yeah, it is. You know what's interesting about the R2-D2 A New Hope MacGuffin of the Death Star plans is that George Lucas... I wish I was like this kind of thinker. George Lucas is like... Fuck Alfred Hitchcock. Like, I think he's wrong. Like, the old man doesn't know what he's talking about with those MacGuffins being something you don't care about. Mm -hmm. Like, I think MacGuffins should be something you do care about. And therefore, R2-D2 is the MacGuffin. It's like, well, kind of. But really, it's the, the Death Star plans. But because the Death Star plans are in R2-D2, everyone's after R2-D2, which is a character that we really care about. Right. So he, like, flips the MacGuffin on its head a little bit by shoving it into a character that we care right. about, which is interesting. <laughs> is R2-D2 a MacGuffin then, or is he just too central to the story to be considered a MacGuffin? Mm. Like, he's a character. He's literally has, like, his own buddy story going on with C-3PO. Yeah. 
is he MacGuffin, but also a pivotal character? Can those two things exist? Because it seems to. Because again, everyone needs R2, but they don't. They need what's in R2. I know. Oh man, this this feels existential. I know. This is why it's actually such a interesting topic. And this is this is where actually it starts getting a little tricky because this is where like the complexity of a MacGuffin comes in and it's not dismissed by some writers. Let me go to where, where I think you start dismissing the MacGuffin. Okay, okay. <laughs> Mission Impossible movies. Yeah. My favorite movies. Like, I'm watching Mission Impossible whenever I can watch Mission Impossible. Mm-hmm. Mission Impossible 1. The Knock, the knock List. list. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then my next favorite, Mission Impossible, The Rabbit's Foot in Mission Impossible mm-hmm. 3. Mm-hmm. And what's fucking crazy about the Mission Impossible 3 MacGuffin is that The Rabbit's Foot you never even find out what it is. He's just right? after it. I was wondering that. They don't say, I didn't remember if they said what it is, but I feel like you don't find out because it doesn't matter. No. And it, like that was like a really bold thing because it was like, mm-hmm. they're going to be after, or Ethan Hunt's going to be chasing down the rabbit's foot, but this is about him and his wife. And mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what the mm-hmm. rabbit's foot is. Yeah. I love that. I, I want to be brave enough to when I get the note that you need to know what the rabbit's mm-hmm. foot is so that we care about it, I can say, no, you actually don't because it's a MacGuffin. And because Ethan cares about it, we're going to care about it. I want to be able to get to a place where I can say <laughs> that. <laughs> Honestly, I've honest to God, I've thought about this before because yeah. I love this movie so much. And I've, I think I've maybe even tried to to do it. I, 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 I don't know. But the point is, is like, I want to be there too. And it comes with such confidence in firing back and saying, no, 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 you don't need to know what this is. It'll come into future movies. But I wonder if you can only do that in like a Tom Cruise movie where he supports that idea. I disagree. As long as you have a strong character story surrounding it, like the father-son example in Last Crusade, I think is again, the perfect example because it's just a vehicle to get the father and son together and mm-hmm. force them to grow together and face each other and have a stronger relationship. I don't even like I don't even know you have to know what the grail is in that movie. I just need to know it's a thing that the dad super cares about and that has put a wedge between him and his son and now they have to go get it to save their lives. So using Indy again in Raiders of the Lost Ark, that's a story about him and Marion. Right. Like that's their relationship story and getting back mm-hmm. back together. He kind of becomes like a believer in both of those movies. Like he's such a uh, pragmatic individual. And then he kind of takes that leap of faith in both movies. So in that case, the MacGuffin is actually like a really important central thing. It becomes transformative for the character. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is also the best kind of MacGuffin. Like if you're able to add that extra layer of complexity to it, then that's super cool as well. <laughs> like, that's how you do it right there. Yeah. Those are the best examples. <laughs> yeah. So like I was in doing a little bit of research about uh-huh. MacGuffins. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, there, there was one video where um, someone was breaking down MacGuffins and mentioned that Weapons of mass destruction as a MacGuffin is a very popular one that people use, but that it's maybe not the strongest one that you can use because what that causes is that once you get to the third act, your your hero now has to 
deal with a weapon of mass destruction and it becomes a very plot driven thing because now I have to save the world by disarming this weapon of mass destruction yeah. instead of a character thing, which is a really good point. You want to avoid the MacGuffin becoming just a plot thing by the, by the third act. But if you look at again, lost Ark, last crusade, these MacGuffins, the Holy grail and the, the covenant Ark of the covenant do have these character moments. It creates faith in him in the first movie and in the Ark of the Covenant, where it's like, don't look at it, Marion. You know, that that moment where he believes in the power of this thing. And in Last Crusade, it helps bring him and his father together and to trust each other. So if that's what I mean, I guess, by, by adding complexity to your MacGuffin, yeah. if you can allow your MacGuffin in the third act to actually be a character piece, holy cow. I wanted to bring that up about the, the Oh man, I'm sorry. No, 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 it's good. It's this is it's great that you said this because I want to talk about this because I've done this and like this is where I have I think failed in some scripts mm. where like in the third act it's like okay, we have this weapon of mass destruction. We need to find it. It's going to go off and then it's like an extra ticking time bomb. Literally, it's a ticking time bomb. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why Mission Impossible 3 is so awesome is because they literally were just like, no, this is a character story. There's going to be no bombs that go off. There's nothing. This is just the thing. How do you think you prevent that? Like if you do choose a weapon of mass destruction as your MacGuffin and you get to the third act and of course you now have to disarm the bomb, how do you still allow it to be a character forward MacGuffin? Uh, so you're saying like, how do you disarm it? Without having any like big explosions or any like just plot, plot, plot no, stuff? No, it's more or? like how do you how do you add that complexity to that ticking time bomb that's literal to that third yeah. act so that it doesn't just become a plot driven thing. We have to disarm the bomb. It becomes a character driven thing. We have to disarm the bomb. So one way I've done this before, basically people are after this this bomb, the MacGuffin. And it just so happens that it gets activated and now this MacGuffin, this bomb is going to go off in like 30 minutes. So now this guy's going after it and these parents are going after it. And basically the parents are about to disarm this bomb, but they like everyone realizes it's going to go off no matter what. And I had this conversation with the producers, with you guys and everything where the guy, my lead character, ended up sacrificing himself taking the bomb and then trying to like get away and get it to safety. So he's basically killing himself for these, for everyone else and sacrificing mm-hmm. himself for the parents and this and that. Obviously that the point being is like, it was supposed to be a character moment where he hated these parents. And now at the very end of it, he's literally sacrificing himself for yeah, these parents. He's falling on the grenade. Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes sense. I think it being a reversal at the end, if it is, a, a literal time bomb, a reversal somehow, because again, going back to Last Crusade, they actually do get to the thing they've been hunting this whole time. They do get to the Holy Grail, but the reason Indy has to go get it is because his dad is dying, which is a huge surprise, right? right? So he's no longer getting it for glory. He's no longer getting it to get it out of the hands of the Nazis first. Like that's not the first priority It's I have to get it now to save my dad's life. And I think taking a MacGuffin we thought was one thing and then turning it on its head a little bit at the end so that it's completely based in character is the trick, which is great. If it can teach us something like your example of falling on the grenade. Yeah. It's tough. It is tough. I don't know if mine worked. It sounds like it works. Just kicking around. That script. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I, I think it worked. 
for character purposes. But you're right. I think that's the key. That's the trick to the MacGuffin is act three, make it about character, mm -hmm. which is hard to do. It's not easy. Yeah. I just wanted to touch on people MacGuffins because we were oh, talking okay. about like object MacGuffins. Mm -hmm. The hangover, Tasha. Yeah. As you know, they lose their friend and they're after their friend throughout the entire movie. But throughout this journey, it basically turns into this journey of like friendship and the guys overcoming their own personal shit and yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Person MacGuffin. Okay. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, you're searching for someone. <laughs> yeah, no, no. And that leads me into the last, uh, or The Force Awakens, excuse me. Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. Luke Skywalker. He's yeah. kind of the MacGuffin in that movie. They're just looking yeah, for I Luke Skywalker. Yeah. And then Saving Private Ryan. Oh, Matt yeah, the most perfect example. Matt Damon. But gotta find Matt Damon. And then when you find him, he's not what you expect. Again, a really great MacGuffin. Yeah, I was actually reading about this and it basically was talking about how Matt Damon ties to the theme of the movie being was this war all worth it? Mm -hmm. And like I think it's even asked throughout the uh by Matt Damon yeah. or by somebody. And I, I just found it really interesting. But you're absolutely right. Character. Good MacGuffin. Yeah. yeah. All right, so how do we get bad MacGuffins? We kind of talked about it, but can you think of any bad MacGuffins? Justice League. Do you know why it's a bad MacGuffin? It feels like a bad MacGuffin because, because I think they're trying to answer this note that we were talking about. It's like, well, you really got to explain what yeah. the MacGuffin is in order for the audience to care about it. Well, you don't actually have to because they ended up spending so much time explaining it to us in the Justice League that... I started trying to figure out how it works now and then clocking the logic problems with how it works. And instead of just trusting that I care about it because Wonder Woman cares about it. End mm. of story. Yeah. So I don't want to name specific movies, but um, I do think <laughs> I actually no. I honest to God, I couldn't. <laughs> even... <laughs> oh, man, you set me up. You asked which are bad examples and you're not even going to give any. <laughs> Oh man, I'm never gonna get a job from Warner Brothers. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I, no, listen, I, I will back you up on it. I think we can all say that the not the Snyderverse MacGuffin in in the theatrical released one. It gets confusing. It's confusing. The it box. gets very confusing. But you know what comes to mind, by the way, is the scene where they're all standing around the box talking yeah. about it for like five minutes straight. And that is a scene you don't find in some of these better examples, like the mm -hmm. Indiana Jones movies and um, the Force Awakens example. They're, it's not that they don't talk about it; they do, but it's sort of it's sort of sprinkled throughout yeah. the movie. Versus, let's talk about the MacGuffin for yeah, five. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's when you know your MacGuffin's taking a bigger role than it probably should. Yeah, in my opinion. No, I completely agree with that, and I think I, I actually think what like. If you know something's a bad MacGuffin is when you're like, at some point late in the second act or early third act, you're like, wait, what are they doing? Or you, or like the thing comes back and you're like, oh yeah, that's what they're after. Like you're oh, just yeah, confused about yeah. like, what the fuck is going on. Yeah. I also, can I say one other thing about yeah. this? Because I think like another great example is Harry Potter and like Horcruxes. And I was going to ask you about this source yeah because i think i think one thing that that move those movies do well is 
the MacGuffin is also a mystery that you're solving. And so the thing about the Justice Lease, again, is you have that five minute thing of this is exactly what it is and this huge explanation. Whereas for Horcruxes, there's like sprinkling of information and like the mystery only continues to build of what these things are, where are they, how are yeah. they created, how do you destroy them? You just get more questions rather than someone trying to give you the answers about mm -hmm. the MacGuffin. And I think that's the way the MacGuffin should operate. It creates more questions and mystery in a good yeah. way. Are there horror film MacGuffins? I'm absolutely sure there are, but I'm not as well versed in horror to be able yeah. No, no, me neither. I was, I, the only thing I could think of was the tape in the ring, but is that oh, even sure. considered a, but cause that's so pivotal. Like you watch it and you die a couple days later. So I don't know, really know if that's it, but there's like that un, unraveling mystery throughout that movie. Yeah. I mean, I, I can speak more to horror video games and there's almost always a MacGuffin in horror video games. You have to go through this scary place in order to get the thing. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, it's like the the tape about why this insane asylum is now abandoned the tape that will explain it all you have to get through the insane asylum first in order yeah. to get it but and i'm sure that there are tons of horror movies like that i just can't i don't have that library in my brain i i even want to i couldn't even figure it out online i was looking online but i was like <laughs> i'm sure there's somewhere wait a minute are there macguffins in every video game macguffins are big in video games yeah right yeah. cuz you need a quest you need you need a quest and what's funny is that in so many of these games I definitely forget halfway through the mission what I'm going after because it's not important. It's just the thing that set me on this quest so that I can go through these really fun obstacles. I think that's a really great way to think about MacGuffins. Yeah. I think this, I just also just figured this out now. This is sort of why I love them is because it's like such a clear adventure. Mm -hmm. It's defined for you. Here's your adventure. Have fun going on it. Yeah. Yeah, and the fun of writing it and the fun of watching it is like, oh, what are the obstacles going to be yeah. along the way to this otherwise straight line? A couple rapid fire questions for you. We're closing okay. in. Okay. I think we also have broken the podcast record for saying MacGuffin the most times. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, have you seen The Mask? Yeah, of course. Is The Mask a MacGuffin? I mean, he's not, he's not going after it. It's something that just affects him. Okay. I mean, it sets. I mean, it sets that story in motion. Fuck, is it? Well, <laughs> I'm gonna. It? I'll tell you. I, I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't think so. I because well, here and then one other one is the genie bottle from Aladdin a MacGuffin. Do you mean the lamp? That's what I meant to say. What did I say? The genie bottle. The bottle? <laughs> <laughs> uh. Um, long pause only because it sets a story in motion. But you do care about it. But we've already established that you care about R two D two, and he's MacGuffin. Yeah, the bad guy also wants it. But Aladdin isn't going after it through the course of the movie. It's just something that he has that yeah. someone else wants. So I don't know. It's not a clean MacGuffin. That's what I was thinking too. It's I bring that up because as I was doing my research here, I I read about it. and It was like it cited the mask and the lamp hmm. from Aladdin. I was like, those aren't MacGuffins, hmm. are they? I don't know. Um, the last thing I'm going to ask you is I was thinking about this in like modern day movies. Are MacGuffins now just kind of like sequel bait? Like, are they infinity stones? Mm. Are they the rabbit's foot to set up the next movie, the next movie? No, because and nobody mm. 
the MacGuffin is his daughter's bracelet. You're right. Sort of. It, does John Wick have a MacGuffin? Is is the MacGuffin the guy who killed his dog? <sighs> That's a really, really good question. Feels like it. It feels like it is. A person MacGuffin. Person MacGuffin. Yeah. Yeah, it's perfect. I'm like, hey, I'm coming to kill you. Yeah. He's just the guy who stands at the end of the movie ready to be killed, and I have to go through these obstacles to get to him. I forgot your question. I think I tried to dodge it. No, no, no. That that was that was it. That was an answer. That's it. That's all I have on MacGuffins. That's our that concludes our conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we we covered some stuff on how to do it, how to use them. I think the key to MacGuffins are to really root it in character. Uh, you brought up a really good point of uh, flipping it so it turns into a character moment at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm thinking about a MacGuffin that I'm writing now, and it's very MacGuffin-y. <laughs> um, but in the end, the way the characters get to the MacGuffin that they've been search- searching for this whole time is by working together, which is a thing they've not been able to do the entire movie. So that to me is the MacGuffin actually creating a story character point? Yeah. Rather than it just being a bomb, I have to. In thinking about this whole idea, by the way, it brings me back to our discussion about Die Hard with a Vengeance and how one of our big problems in the third act was that Bruce Willis was not the one disarming the big bomb in the schools, which was like the big threat of the second half of the movie. He was nowhere near it. And that's an interesting mcguffin that i think goes a little wrong and that bruce willis himself mentions that he noted that he wanted to be the guy who disarms the bomb and i think that that's right that you want your hero to be dealing with the mcguffin in the end some way i agree with that if you yeah if i'm chasing the rabbit's foot in the third act the rabbit's foot like ethan's got to get the rabbit's foot right 100 percent. yeah and you you i'm writing something also right now that it's like there's a bomb. It's going to go off at the end, but it's supposed to be character based. And you've you've talked to me about this often, where it's like character, 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 and like I keep that in mind. And and even you just saying that now, it's like who cares if the bomb goes off? It's about character. Yeah. It shouldn't matter. Yeah. Because how great would it be if they go like if Bruce Willis and Samuel L. Jackson? Samuel L. Jackson <laughs> become friends by the end of that movie and go together to that school, go to disarm the bomb. And who cares if it's pancake syrup that's actually in the bomb? That mm-hmm. doesn't matter. What matters is they've become friends in order to disarm this bomb. And boom, your MacGuffin has succeeded in being a character MacGuffin. <sighs> that's good work, Tasha. <laughs> we crack MacGuffins. We're done. We're it. That's it. This is it. If you ever want to write a MacGuffin, Congratulations. You just figured out how. <laughs> I just figured out how. This is a beautiful job. I appreciate you putting this together because I know you love it so much. And there's some really interesting... I feel like we missed the most important example, though. Can we just say that before we wrap up? Like the most iconic example of a MacGuffin? Oh, yeah. I just ignored it. I moved on. <laughs> well, I think it's so interesting. The the briefcase in Pulp Fiction. There's a briefcase that they're going after in Pulp Fiction that contains a mysterious object that you never ever see. And that's the point. Mm-hmm. 
and that watch that movie if you want to i guess turn MacGuffins on their head a little bit yeah and the other like i also think most famous MacGuffin is the citizen kane rosebud i thought you were gonna say the ring from lord of the rings and also the ring from lord of the oh, Rings. we miss some iconic MacGuffins in our MacGuffin stories <laughs> can i tell you why yeah the flow of the conversation was taking us in one direction and i jumped on the wave and drifted right down the current <laughs> um well i appreciate you being organic and i'm sorry that i messed up our flow <laughs> you didn't mess up any flow i i think that's i mean we covered all the macguffin stuff all right but yeah those are macguffins that's how you write macguffins do we say how to write them just set them up in the beginning make sure they're rooted in character and make sure you don't stop them a few times along the way and yeah to you. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I obviously this is the perfect lesson on how to write But I think we've given some really good examples of places to go look for, for how they're succeeding and think about why they're succeeding or why yeah. they're failing and continue to check, check them out in the movies that you're watching and the TV shows that you're watching. Um, and I think MacGuffins work whether you're writing these big action movies or you're writing small dramas. It's just a way to get everyone moving yeah and in, in, in action i have one more thing to say i yeah. can't believe it in a lot of action films there are mini MacGuffins and big MacGuffins. Mm -hmm. and the, like the, when i say mini MacGuffins, they can be misconstrued as tasks not misconstrued they can be considered tasks like i have to go and turn off that valve otherwise the air is gonna suck us out of the airplane whatever mm -hmm. And I'm just bringing that up because as another thing to always look at, because it's just so important. It's really helpful to just get characters moving. If you're ever stuck, mm -hmm. I'm not saying to lean on MacGuffins and cheat. I'm just saying, think about it because it can put your characters into like emotion. Yeah, that's actually a really, really great point is within scenes and doing actual scene work, particularly if you're writing an action scene too, where it has all these different movements in your sequence. Mm -hmm. What like think of it in this, in this framework of a MacGuffin, whether it's literally one or not, if it's, you know, I have to save this part, this child on the airplane, that's your MacGuffin. And then the action sequence is whatever takes place on the airplane to do that. But that's just a mini goal along the way for the movie. Um, I think that's really smart. All right. Mini MacGuffins. Mini MacGuffins. All right. We're going to wrap up our MacGuffin chat with a prime quote of the day from Joshua. Quote of the day. The main thing I've learned over the years is that the MacGuffin is nothing. I'm convinced of this, but I find it very difficult to prove it to others. Alfred Hitchcock. Boom. Boom. All right. Please remember to rate and subscribe. Follow us at Act Two Writers for more awesome writing stuff. You can follow me, Tasha, at Story Thursday on Instagram or on Twitter at Tasha 3.0. I'm Josh Hallman on Instagram, Joshua Hallman on Twitter. And as always, the Act 2 podcast is a production of Act 2, a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. This episode was edited by Paul Lundquist, music by 414 Beg, which you can find on Spotify. Mm -hmm.